So she is headed towards Indianapolis. In fact, uh, uh, she left right after praise and worship. Uh, she wasn't mad or anything, but, uh, you know, uh, she, she had, uh, it's unusual she has to travel on Sundays, but she had to travel this time and be up there uh, for, they've got a special meetings this whole week there, so she'll be up there until Friday. So, uh, but um, that's okay. It's, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, right? And so, but, um, um, yeah, so she'll be back on Friday. And so don't forget, uh, Friday night we have prayer here at the church at 7 p.m. And then Saturday at 9.30 we'll be here setting up for the Strawberry Festival. And then, um, um, and I think the last time I checked, it's 85 degrees, right, Saturday? Hey, that's all right. So we'll pray for a hot, sunny day, right? And get all the uh, band members hot and sweaty, and they all want water at that point in time, right? So, um, and then uh, Sunday, of course, is Mother's Day, and we'll have our church meal then. So, and um, normally, of course, uh, Healing School, normally we, we sing a song, and, and uh, I'm not going to sing a song, though. So <laughs> you got you to gotta stay in your lane, right? Yeah, you got to stay in your lane there, right? And so uh, uh, many ministers have uh, died young because they got out of their lane. So I'm not going to, I'm not risking anything here. So, uh, but I do know how to pray. So uh, we will we will open up the service in prayer, and then we'll hand it over to uh, Reverend Larry Hutton uh, from, from Atlanta, Georgia. Of course, I think most of you over here this morning, except for our friend Miss Angela, right? We get to see her at Healing School, and uh, she's done with her uh, her uh, yeah <laughs> her outage there. I was going to say purgatory, but you know it's about the same thing, right? So, uh, but she's back from that there. So it's good to see her again. So why don't we open up uh, the service today in prayer? So, Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for your kindness, Father. We thank you for the work that you've done for us on the cross. And, Father, we thank you that it's your will and desire for us to be healed every single time without exception, to live in divine health all the days of our life, free from sickness and disease, aches and pains. And, Father, we thank you that we have the right and privilege as your children to do so. So we thank you for that, Father. In other words, as we hear the word today, we come to the word with open hearts, receptive minds, Father to hear what the Spirit of God would say to us. And we receive it by faith. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's welcome uh, Reverend Larry Hutton. Amen. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Everybody get a good meal and a quick nap or <laughs> any naps? I don't know if you had time for a nap, did you? Praise God. Well, let's open our Bibles. I want to go back to the foundation scripture that I always use for teaching on this subject, and that's Isaiah 53. We are teaching on the emotions because the emotions have such a huge effect on your physical health. I had a doctor tell me one time, he said, he said such a high percentage of people have sicknesses, diseases, and even... Uh, pains in their body that can't be diagnosed. And he said, you know, we, when you, for example, you go to Bible or go to uh, school, medical school for, to become a doctor and he said, you know, you learn, for example, somebody comes in and tells you I've got these symptoms and in medical school you're taught, well, that either falls under this category or this category or this, sometimes it may be four categories, maybe sometimes more, sometimes less. But he said, for example, if something comes, they said, you know, you have this pain, and it's real. The pain's real. Problem's real. The malfunction of the body or whatever's going on is real. But 
they said, so we have to try and choose one of the categories that we were taught that that would fall under. <laughs> and uh, so then we prescribe medicine for the category with, that we think is the right one and it ends up being the wrong one. And then you got the medication that has side effects and now we've got added problems to the, what you already had. Then you come back and we try category number two. <laughs> You come back, we try category number three, we try cat. So you have all these extra meds and stuff in your body causing all kinds of more problems and you end up worse than you were to begin with. Kind of reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood. But um, he said, you know, because it can't be diagnosed, it's, it's too much stress, it's uh, depression, it's uh, hurt feelings, all these things add that God never, God never created our bodies to handle stress. He never created your body to handle depression, discovery. You weren't created for that. And so the body goes awry. Things start malfunctioning, not working right. Pains come up, and then they're not diagnosable. And so that's why the Lord, I know that's one reason the Lord told me to teach on that subject for healing school, even though I don't normally. But uh, he said, yeah, do a two-part series this morning and tonight on uh, emotions and how to live free and live in peace and live in joy all the time the rest of your life and it affects your health it'll help keep you healthy if you walk in his peace and his joy so let's just go back to isaiah 53 where we were this morning and let's just reread that real quick then we'll go back over to john uh, verse isaiah 53 4 says surely jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows uh, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripe or blow or bruise we are healed. So it says, surely he bore our griefs, in verse 4, and carried our sorrows. And that grief and sorrows uh, has to do with emotions, has to do with your feelings. Grief and sorrow is an emotion. It's just... Uh, it's not one that God wants you to carry, so he redeemed you. Obviously, it says since he bore it, then it means he doesn't want you to carry it. Why would he bear it if he wanted you to carry it, right? right. So Jesus bore your griefs, he carried your sorrows, he your, carried your anxiety, he carried your worry, your stress, your panic attacks, your sorrows, your emotional pains, bore all of that. And then in verse 5, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. We found out that included the restraint or the rebuke of your peace, which is just really the reason or the cause of you to lose your peace. So what's the reason or cause that you're feeling depressed? What's the reason or cause you're stressed? What's the reason or cause you've got your feelings hurt? Jesus faced those reason and faced those causes and defeated them too. So in other words, nobody can make you feel anything. Nobody can ever do anything. All the stuff that happens in the world, the reason or the cause for you to be discouraged or to be depressed, Jesus defeated that. So there's no reason. <laughs> there's no cause. Yeah. Now in the natural realm, we know there is, and that's the whole thing, is we got to apply the supernatural realm to the natural realm, right? You can't just ignore stuff. Uh, people, people have told me years ago, they said, oh, you faith folk, you just deny reality. And I said, no, we don't deny reality, we change it. It, it was real that the promised land had giants in it. It was real that the walled cities were unscalable. That was real. That was factual. But truth is, God said, I give it to you, so go possess it. So you got to take truth and change the facts and change reality. Which those of you that were here in July last year when I showed that picture up on the screen of the 
cancerous tumor on my face. I showed you that so you could see reality. You could see the, the facts that I had cancer, but then I never got treatment or went to the doctor. I just took the word and applied the word, cursed the thing, and then it ended up dying. But it took me, I had to fight the good fight of faith for six, five months, about five months. Sometimes it's through faith and patience. The King James uses the word patience. Actually, the Greek word is uh, steadfastness, perseverance, and endurance. It's not it's not through faith and just waiting, waiting, waiting that you inherit the promises. That's not the patience it's talking about. That's, that may be the English definition of patience, but the Bible definition is you endure, you stay steadfast, you be strong, bless God, you persevere. In other words, you keep using your faith. You fight. Amen. And let me tell you something about the fight of faith. The fight of faith is uh, just staying in rest. When that cancer came against me, I had fear trying to come against me like crazy, but I would not fear. I just refused to fear. I just said, no, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not, I'm not afraid of cancer. Cancer is afraid of me. <laughs> I'm not afraid of disease. I was not afraid of that Wuhan virus that came out of a Chinese lab. It's afraid of me. That's why I kept laying hands on people that had that Wuhan virus. I wasn't afraid of it getting on me because I knew what I had was more powerful than what they had. So we don't have to fear when we believe the word, because when you believe the word, then you're empowered supernaturally. It's not your own strength. It's not your own anointing. It's God's strength, God's anointing, God's power, God's glory that's in you. Jesus said, the glory I've given that you've given me, Father, I've given them. You and I, we are glory carriers. You don't have to pray the glory down out of heaven. We carry the glory. We just got to learn to release it more. Amen. So again, we found out Jesus not only bore, let's just take one thing at a time to make it easier to understand. Jesus bore our stress, and then he faced every reason or cause that we would feel stress, and he defeated that too. Jesus bore our depression, and then he faced every reason or cause for us to be depressed. Jesus faced our hurt feelings, and then faced every reason or cause for us to be hurt and defeated that. Jesus faced our panic attacks, and then faced every reason or cause for us to panic, and he defeated that. So, so he bore all of the negative emotions, and then he faced all the reason or causes for us to feel those negative emotions and wiped them out, and then gave you his peace. We saw in Galatians 5, 22, 23 this morning. We saw in John, in fact, you can turn back over to John 14. He gave us his peace, and that peace will override all anxiety, all depression, all discouragement, all guilt, all shame, all anxiety, everything. It'll, it'll take care of all of it. So in John 14, 27, Jesus said, I give you my peace. And then he said, now because you have my peace, you don't have to let your feelings be troubled anymore. King James says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let your heart be afraid. So his peace is more powerful than any of the troubling emotions that come against our feelings. Let not, that means you get a choice, you get to choose. Okay, am I going to let myself feel depressed? Am I going to let myself feel discouraged? Or am I going to not let, like he told me? Really, when he says, do not let, it doesn't sound like a suggestion. <laughs> you know, think about it. He's not saying, now just try, <laughs> see if you can muster up enough little courage and just really try and be strong. And <laughs> no. He says, do not let your heart or your emotions and your feelings be troubled and don't let them be afraid. So that shows us that peace is even more powerful than fear. 
Let's go over to John 6, John 6, John 16. Now remember, we're going from the end of John 14 over to John 16. So when John's writing this, this is all together. This isn't chapter and verse. I think I'm, you know, when you write a letter, you're not going to write another chapter and verse. So we're going to just read something that's written not too far after. He said, I give you my peace and you don't have to let your feelings trouble you anymore. You, you can live in that peace all the time if you want. And then he gets to John 16, 33, and he said, These things I have spoken to you. Well, would that include the things he said in John 14, 27? Sure it did. So he said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Uh, King James says you might have peace. I was reading the New King James. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So I was looking at this because, again, when people just read like a King James or King James, New King James, sometimes you get a little confused where it says you might have or you may have, the King James says. And when you hear the word might, uh, in our language, we usually use it as, well, you might or you might not. <laughs> kind of sounds like wavering to me, right? So it made me look up the Greek because I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. If you spoke these things to me, then I would have, not, not I might have. So I looked up the word you might have, and actually those three words are just one word. In fact, it's the Greek word echo. Uh, it's not just the word might, but you might have. All three words are just one word echo. It's a primary verb, so there's action involved. But it means to hold. It means to possess. It means your ability or you are in relationship with or it's your condition. So that's just what echo means. It means to hold such as in your possession or to have the ability to do something, or your relationship to something, or your condition. So really when it's saying, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you might have peace, he's really saying, in me you hold peace, you possess peace, your ability is peace, your relationship is with peace, and you are conditioned in his peace. That's, that's in him. And where are you if you're a Christian? If any man be in Christ, right? Are you in Christ? If you're born again, you're actually in him. That means you already hold peace. You, you possess peace. Your ability is peace. Your relationship is with peace. And you're conditioned for peace. That's a whole lot different than saying, well, in me you might have peace, <laughs> right? Gives you a whole lot more revelation when you hear the way they actually said it. And so... So that sets you up then when he, gets, when he gets to the part, in the world, you'll have tribulation. But I want you to notice, when actually, again, in the Greek, it's not saying in the world, you're going to have tribulation, so just go ahead and tribulate. <laughs> notice he doesn't say that. He said in the world, you'll have tribulation, but be bold and courageous. Be of good cheer, actually. The Greek says be bold and be courageous. So in me... You hold my peace, you possess my peace, and all that. So in the world, this stuff's going to come against you. Tribulation's going to come against you, but be bold and courageous. How can we be bold and courageous? Because I've overcome the world. So I'm holding on to peace. I, I, my, my position is peace. I'm connected to peace. Jesus is my peace. I, he gave me his peace. So when the world throws its stuff at me, I can be bold and courageous because Jesus has already overcome it. That's why I took you to Isaiah 53 before we came here, so you can see when he overcame it. When did he overcome it? At the cross. He bore all of your tribulation. 
which by the way, this word tribulation, look it up. It means pressure. It means anguish. The Greek word, it means burdens. It means persecution, trouble. Of course, tribulation, which has been translated that tribulation. All those definitions are part of tribulation. So anguish and burdens is mental. When you think about that, which again goes right along with Isaiah 53, that Jesus bore my depression, he bore my bad temper and anger, he bore my stress, bore my worry. We had a lady, she was 75 years old when she contacted our ministry, and um, she had gotten a hold of my teaching. I didn't know this until she actually told us her story, but she was a PK, a preacher's kid. Her daddy was a pastor for over 40 years, and so she had sat under her dad for all those years as he pastored a local church. And uh, she was what we would call in the South a world-class worry wart. <laughs> you know what I mean by a worry wart? Somebody that just worried themselves sick all the time. They just worried, 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 stress, 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 right? Well, she was one of those ladies, and she had lived that way all her life, and surprising she didn't die prematurely the way she worried because she was always worrying herself sick and all kinds of physical problems. But she managed to live, and so then she got a hold of my teaching. She, she heard a teaching, and I don't remember if she up, picked up the book or, or whether she heard me on TV or what, but anyway, she heard, and she got a hold of that truth and thought, oh my God, I do not have to live in worry and stress and fear and all that. So she totally had her life changed just turned right side up. <laughs> and um, then she contacted our ministry six months later after she started living what she called the dream life. So when she contacted us six months after not being a worry wart anymore, she contacted us and said, I, we, she was so thankful, wanted to thank us for our ministry. And I said, well, I'm just a hose. I'm just the hose the water flows through. So praise the Lord for that. You know, I'm just the messenger boy. And uh, we were praising God together. And she said, I just have one question for you, because she said, I am having so much fun that I never thought you could have in life. She, that's when she said, I'm living the dream. I'm living a life that I thought you could only dream of. And, uh, but she said this, I only have one question for you, Brother Larry. I said, what's that? She said, um, she said why didn't somebody tell me before I was 75 years old? <laughs> and I said, well, I can't really answer that question. I said, I don't know why somebody didn't tell you, but I have a scripture for you. The Bible says God will redeem your time. That means he'll make the 75 years in the past just fade away and the future be so bright and you'll have so much fun that you'll just go right into eternity shouting and praising God. So she was thrilled with that. And, uh, but, I, but I just thought, I mean, it's just, it kind of reminded me of me when I was the first 22 years of my life when I had that incurable disease. And I went to church all my life growing up, but nobody ever told me good news. I mean, all I was ever told, well, God made you sick. Or God allowed that in your body to try and teach you. Or you know what? He's made you sick to humble you. Or you know what? He's put that on you to get your attention. And you know what? He put that on you because you're special. <laughs> all the, all, I mean, I heard it all, you know, and... And the only thing we were ever told to pray, well, you know, you just have to pray. If it be your will, heal me. If he doesn't heal you, that means it's not God's will. Well, that would be like a sinner praying, God, if it's your will, save me. God, if it's your will, save me. God, if it's your will, save me. He could pray that way all his life and never get saved. He's got to read the will and find out it is God's will. <laughs> and then accept the, the will, right? Confess Jesus the Lord. Believe God 
believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. So it's not about what God's got to do, it's about what we've got to do, right? So she got a hold of the, the truth that Jesus bore her, her depression and bore all of those things, and, and that when tribulation comes, this pressure, this tribulation, this anguish, these burdens and all these negative emotions, when they come, we don't have to yield to them. Amen. So here's when I, when I, in fact, let me read the, the Amplified. The Amplified says this when it says, um, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Um, the Amplified says, for I've overcome the world, I've deprived it of power to harm you and conquered it for you. I've deprived it of power. Now, I want you to see that. I have deprived it of power. So that's what it, when he says, we, we read, I've overcome the world. What does that mean? He's deprived it of power to harm you. In other words, he's already totally defeated, whipped, stripped, and made a show of openly the devil. So the devil has no more power. That's why we're told in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, I give you power to tread on demons and devils. If you read the context, it's not talking about literal serpents and scorpions. Although if you had to, you could, you know, if you were somewhere. But it's literally talking about demons and devils because just in a few verses earlier, in verse 17, the disciples were telling Jesus, look, the devils are subject to us by your name. And he says, well, I give you power over serpents and scorpions. In other words, over demons and devils. And over all the power of the enemy, that means even Satan himself and any, any works of darkness, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So in other words, all the power's been taken out. He's deprived the world, deprived it, the world, deprived it, the world of power to harm you. So this, when the Lord brought me here and was teaching me this, he said, I want you to look at this. He said, notice the words, the world. Okay, in the world, tribulation comes, right? But I've overcome the world. So in other words, he's talking about the tribulation that the world is throwing at you is what he overcame. You got that? Okay, so he says this. He said, in the world, the world is going to throw stress, depression, fear, worry, all those things at you. But be bold and courageous. I've already deprived all of those things of any power to harm you. So everybody look up here at me. This is what I want you to see. The Lord told me this. He said, so when, and then he started using one thing at a time. So let me just do a couple of them like he did with me. So when depression comes against you and tries to make you think you're depressed, you need to understand I've deprived it of power. It has no power to make you depressed. So all it is, is a facade. It's a big bag of hot air. <laughs> It has no umph behind it. There's no power. So all it, ha all it has is deception to try and get you to believe in it. So here's what the Lord told me. He said, when depression comes, because it has no power to make you depressed, it has to try and get you to believe in it. And when, watch this, when you believe in it, you empower it to overwhelm you. And then you find yourself depressed. And don't even realize you yielded to the depression. You empowered the depression when the depression has no power over you at all. Jesus defeated it. He deprived it of power. All right, so stress. Stress is huge in society today. Let's use that one. So when stress comes against you, it's a front. 
It's a facade. Oh, it, no, it's real. It's real and factual, but it has no power over you. It has no power to get you all stressed and uptight. No power at all. So it has to try and get you to think differently. Circumstance, situation, reason, cause, whatever. That Remember, Jesus faced all those and defeated them too. But it tries to get you to think on it long enough so you yield your power to it to overwhelm you and then you find yourself all stressed. Amen. Am I making this clear enough? God told me in 1980 when I was getting ready to preach my very first sermon, He said, keep it simple, my word is simple. Then He went on to explain to me and He showed me, I want people to understand my word so they can walk out after your meeting, put it to practice in their life, and it worked for them. In other words, they get results, they get fruit. The fruit of peace is actually evident in your life. So I'm trying to make this as clear as I can. So anytime depression, discouragement, bad temper, anger, whatever it is, you name it, it's powerless over you. Cannot make you feel that way. I mean, just be like, who was it? Arnold Schwarzenegger or whoever, make me. Oh, no, that was Clint Eastwood, I think. Make me. Make my day. Make my day, whatever. <laughs> anyway, just say, just give it your best shot, depression. Just give it your best shot, stress, worry, fear, panic. No, I'm not yielding to you. You have no place in me. You have no power. You're a defeated foe. Amen. Amen. Boy, that's good stuff, isn't it? So when he showed me this, no power. So let me, let, me, let me use this example. So let's say that I walked up to you and handed you a package. You look down at this package, and let's just say you think to yourself, oh my goodness, that is the most beautiful wrapping I've ever seen in my life. And you're just, you're just mesmerized by the package and the bow and all the ribbon and everything else, and you're looking at it. And, and then you, you finally come to yourself and think, man, you look up to say thank you, Brother Larry, to me, and I'm running off. And you wonder, why are you running off? And you look back down, and as you hear running off, you hear me say, it's a bomb. And you look back down, and all of a sudden, through the bows, you see this timer. And it's timer nine, eight, seven, six, five. Let me ask you a question. In the natural, would you have a chance to not be in peace? Would you have a chance to be stressed, worried, panic attack, fear, discouragement? I mean, you probably have the whole gamut of negative emotions coming against you, right? You could, but let's say standing behind you is Pastor Chip. And Pastor Chip leans up to you and says, I took the explosives out. And if you had confidence in him, which you should because he preaches the truth, if he ever quits preaching the truth, I'll get a stick after him and you can quit having confidence in him. But as long as he's preaching the truth, then you can keep believing everything he says, right? And so he tells you he took the explosive out. What would you do? I'll tell you what you do. You'd probably look down at that timer. Five, four, three. You'd be smiling the whole time. Two, one, click. Nothing happened. Bye-bye, Larry. You didn't get stressed. You didn't get worried. You didn't get all tight. Didn't have a panic attack. Why? Because the bomb, even though it was real, even though it was factual, the bomb had no power. That's what he's done to your stress. 
That's what he's done to your depression, your discouragement. That's what he's done to panic attacks. That's what he's done to your bad temper, anger situations. He's done that where they have no power over us. Selah, right? One of those Selah moments. Oh my goodness. No wonder then Jesus gives us, and I say Jesus, even though it's written in Peter, but so, so many times I, I don't even say Peter or James or whatever when I turn place except to get there by having people turn, but I'll say Jesus said, because Jesus is the word. It's the word that's saying, right? No wonder the Lord said, cast your cares away onto him. Why did he say that? He said, because if you keep them, you're going to believe in them, you're going to empower them, and then you're going to have that care, that stress, that worry, that depression. But you don't have to. In fact, let's turn over there. Hallelujah. All right, 1 Peter chapter 5. Everybody knows where it is, more than likely, verse 7. 1 Peter 5, 7. Because the Lord brought me here, and I'm trying to t show you some of the different major things that the Lord showed me when I had that supernatural visitation from Him and just changed my life. And, um, and so I've been trying to teach, whenever He allows me to teach it, of course, I, I'm a teacher, so I teach a lot of different subjects. If, if you go to our YouTube channel, which a couple of y'all told me this morning you've been doing, uh, go to our YouTube channel, just YouTube, and then type in Larry Hutt Ministries when it comes up. If you subscribe to it, it's free to subscribe. You can subscribe to the Larry Hutt Ministry YouTube channel. Then anytime I upload something new, you'll get a message. I think it's an email or something, but anyway, you'll get notified that you can watch the new thing that we put on. But I have a lot of different subjects I teach on, so you can watch, you know, if you can look at all the different, uh, you can click on playlist, and then it'll show you all the different subjects and different TV things that I've taught. You can watch whatever area of your life you want to get built up in, but um, uh, we've just had so many people watch that because I've taught this series there. Of course, every time I teach this series is different, <laughs> but um, it's amazing how the Holy Ghost tailor makes things for people where you're at because I always pray for you guys before I ever come. Every church I go to, I, I say, Lord, even if you're having me preach something that I've preached before, this is not going to be a canned sermon. <laughs> Amen. This is going to be fresh and alive, and I'm going to say things in a way I've never said. I've already done that this morning and tonight, said things the way I've never said things before. So I'm always believing God to do that. Speak through me, Lord. Help me speak the oracles of heaven. So when he brought me here, he brought me to verse 7, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care on him for he cares for you. And he asked me this. He said, what is the first word of verse 7? I said, casting, because I had my King James, and I said, casting. And he said, uh, would you start a word, or would you start a thought, or a sentence, or even a paragraph with the word casting? And I was pretty good at English. I thought, no, I wouldn't start with the word casting. And um, he said, well, neither would I. <laughs> I said, oh. So he was trying to get across something that, you know, even though you divide chapters and verses, this wasn't divided from the previous verses. So he said, why don't you read what I said before this so you can understand what I mean by casting? And so, of course, I went back to verse 1, but it was when I got to verse 5, uh, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves, you elders, yes, all of you be submissive one to another. And then it says, be clothed with humility for, 
This is where it really got, got real interesting from here down through verse 7, 8, and 9. For God resists the proud. Resist who? The proud gives grace to the who? Humble. So what does he give to the humble? Grace to the humble. Therefore, therefore, based on, you got to humble yourself because otherwise you're going to not receive grace because God resists the proud, meaning grace isn't going to flow. But as long as you humble yourself, then grace does flow. Therefore, humble yourselves. Notice it doesn't say God's going to humble you. Hear that taught a lot, unfortunately. Well, God will humble you with that sickness or disease or that problem. No, it's not God humbling us. It's the devil trying to kill you. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of casting all your care. Humble yourself by casting all your care. He's saying that if you hold on to the stress, to the worry, to the depression, to the hurt feeling and all those different cares, said you hold on to them, you're entering into pride. You're not humbling yourself. Humble yourself by casting your care. What would be the opposite then of not casting my care? It would be to operate in pride. And God resists the proud and gives grace to the one that humbles themselves. So humble yourself by casting your care. And then he told me this. He said, he said, you don't look at it this way, but you need to understand what I'm saying right here is when somebody's depressed, they're full of pride. I never thought about that. He said, when somebody's all worried and, and when somebody's discouraged and when somebody's stressed about things, they're in pride because they're looking to themselves instead of me. I said, cast it on me because it's going to be an act of humility, which is an act of faith. It takes faith to say, I'm not going to worry. It takes faith to say, I'm not going to be stressed. It takes faith to say, I'm going to live in peace. I don't care what's going on around me. I refuse to enter into that. And this, this can work for anybody from a 12-year-old to a 112-year-old. I mean, I remember my daughter came home from school one day when she was 12. I think she was 12. It could have been 13. Maybe 13. But yeah, I think maybe she probably was. She was a cheerleader. She was the captain of, of the cheer squad. And so she came home from school one day. And uh, it was a... Thursday or Friday, I'm home. I wasn't on the road that day. And she came home. She said she was all excited. Daddy, Daddy, guess what? And I said, what? She said, well, I had cheer practice today, right? I said, yeah, I know. And, and she said, well, guess what? She said, there was, and you got to hear a 13-year-old teenager. You got to hear the way they would say this. They, she said, at cheer practice today, there was drama. <laughs> Can you hear a teenager saying that drama? You know? And she said, but guess what, Daddy? I mean, first of all, she explained, you know, the different ones that got in fights with each other, and they started disagreeing about this, that, and the other. Like Catherine, you know, just all that. And she said, but guess what, Dad? I said, what? She said, I just decided to live in peace. I didn't partake of it. I thought, here she is acting on the word, maybe not even realizing she's acting on what she sat in services, heard daddy preach, but here the word worked for her because she decided to do it at 12, 13 years old. That other lady, 75 years old, and now she's living the dream life. 
So this works for folks, but we have to do it. Now this word care is the Greek word merimna, M-E-R-I-M-N-A, merimna, and it means anxiety, it means care. It's really talking about all the things that you could worry or be stressed and depression and all that stuff about. It comes from the root word meridzo, which meridzo means to divide or come apart, fall apart into pieces. You may have heard people make statements like, uh, oh man, I just feel like I'm falling apart. I just feel like my life is falling apart. Or if you hear somebody make the statement, I just can't take it anymore. Then what they've done is they've allowed maremna, worries and cares and stress, to stay rather than get rid of them. They've allowed them to stay. They empowered the emotions. Now the emotions has so overwhelmed them that they feel so weighed down that there's no way out and now they just feel like their life is apart, it's fallen apart, it's divided, it's cut into pieces. In other words, they went from Marimna to Marizzo. And that's because they allowed the thief to come in, steal, kill, and destroy. And I'll prove it's the thief in, in just a minute, because the ne very next verse after he said, casting all your care, be sober, be vigilant. In other words, pay attention because your adversary, it lets us know who's the one behind the cares. It's the, who's the one behind the stress, the depression, and all that? Well, I think it's the powerless one, which is why everything that he brings is powerless, because it's all been defeated. It's all part of the kingdom of darkness. If Satan's been defeated and he has no power, then that means the stress, depression, and all of his arsenal has no power. It's powerless. <laughs> Amen. has no power over me so why should I yield to it I've only yielded to it in years gone by before I learned this and you've only yielded to it because we didn't know any better we just thought well like the one guy told me sitting in my office when I said you don't have to allow your feelings to tell you how you feel he said well I thought how you feel is how you feel I thought your feelings just are your feelings. You just have to accept what you want. No, I said, uh-uh, no, you change how you feel. You make, you make choices in the matter. You choose life. You choose blessing, not death and cursing. You get to choose. So then what the Lord did, and I want to do the same th thing for you this afternoon. Then the Lord took me, this word marimna, right? The word cares here, the Greek word marimna. He took me to two other passages. He actually took me to some more, but I'm going to just take you to two of them. The two other passages where this same Greek word marimna is used. The reason he took me is he, he had made this statement to me. He said, um, he said, worry, and then he said stress, depression, all of them, but let's just take worry, for example. He said, worry is one of the most dangerous and deceptive forms of pride. And then he said, depression because that was, that was hard for me to understand. How could somebody be depressed being pride? I thought they weren't pride because they're low self-esteem, thinking low of themselves or whatever. I, thought, well, I mean, in fact, the Lord even used an example. He said, you look at it, and he showed me somebody. He said, you look at somebody like this, somebody that had a very low self-esteem. They always had their head hung low. They were very soft-spoken. And they were the kind of person that would give you the shirt off their back. Very kind, very sweet people but very depressed and thought low of themselves and so forth. He said, you look at a person like that and think, oh, what a humble person. He said, I see that person full of pride because their eyes are on self, not on me. 
that really opened my eyes. And then that's when he said depression, worry, and everything that he said. He said depression is one of the most dangerous forms of pride and one of the most deceptive forms of pride. Deceptive because people don't even know they're in pride when they're in anger, bad temper, stress, strife, worry, and all those things. They don't even know it, so it's very deceptive. And dangerous because it puts you down in the mully grubs, we say in the South, so I better not say that everywhere because everybody doesn't know that. Down in the dumps, that weighed so down that you feel there's no way, no way out, right? That's what I'm saying. And you get down there, and even though God is still talking to you and still communicating to you, you're down on another level where you're not hearing a thing he's saying. I'm going to prove that to you. Hold your place here in Peter and go with me over to Luke 21. We're going to look at that same Greek word, marimna, casting all your marimnas on him, for he cares for you. Casting all your cares, that word marimna. We want to see that over in Luke 21, 34. Luke chapter 21, verse 34. I'm going to again read from the King James. It says, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. That word hearts is the same one we saw in John 14, 27. So again, it's talking about your thoughts and your feelings. So lest any time your emotions, in other words, your, your feelings, be overcharged with. And that word overcharged, if you look it up, it means weighed down it means overburdened, all right? So it says, take heed, lest at any time your, your emotions, your feelings get weighed down, overburdened with surfeiting and drunkenness and what? Come on, help me out, y'all. You all reading with me? And what? Cares, Cares of this life. So that day come on you unaware. So he says, take heed, lest at any time. And then he mentions three things that can weigh you down to the point you just want to throw the towel in and say, I want to go to heaven. I want to, I give up. I quit. I'm not, I can't handle this anymore. Well, that's because you've let the cares hang around long enough until you got marizzo divided, which that word marizzo literally means divided. In fact, you'll remember where Jesus used it. He said, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. That's the same word, marizzo, that, that marimna turns into. And that's where Jesus said, a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. In other words, they've gone apart, they've fallen apart. And that's what people's lives do. They fall apart when they allow care, stress, worry, depression to stay. It just falls apart. Their lives fall apart. And then they want to go to heaven. Oh, that's a good place to go. You just don't need to go prematurely. <laughs> God may want you to hang around here and be a light to the world. Amen. So, so we see three things he mentioned that will overcharge your emotions that take you to, from Marimna to Marizzo. Overcharge, weighed you down. And three things he mentioned, surfeiting, drunkenness, cares. Okay, so surfeiting, if you look that up, it just signifies, if you look up the, uh, the actual Vines Expository Dictionary, he says the um, uh, giddiness and headache resulting from... Uh, excessive wine bibbing. <laughs> so you've drank enough alcohol where you've giddy. Have you ever seen somebody giddy? I was never an alcohol drinker. I, I, there were a couple times that I, I drank, but very seldom. But I was around a lot of people that did, and I see when people drank enough, they weren't totally drunk, but they were giddy from the alcohol. They weren't thinking right, so they could, they could hear something that somebody said is serious and laugh at it because they thought it was funny because they're giddy. So that's what it's talking about. They're, in other words, their their thinking faculties are not working properly. <laughs> All right. If if somebody was in this state, let's say um, 
let's say you had $100,000 you wanted to invest somewhere. You would not, I promise you, you would not go find somebody that's giddy with alcohol and say, man, I want your advice right now, this moment, while you're giddy to help me, where, where should I invest this? You wouldn't do that because you know, well, no, they're not really thinking right right now. They're, 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 they're not on all cylinders here, you know, so you wouldn't do that. So we definitely uh, notice here that alcohol will, will cause your emotions to be weighed down, right, overburdened overcharged. And then the second thing mentions drunkenness. So here we go, alcohol again. This time the word drunkenness is talking about somebody that's totally intoxicated. They're not passed out, so they're still coherent, but they just, they're not there. <laughs> they're so drunk that you just can't, they don't make sense at all. And I promise you, if somebody was in that state and you were having, for example, you needed some marriage counsel, a husband and wife wanted to go talk to somebody, you would not go find this person that is drunk and say, please give us counsel. <laughs> Why? Because you know, man, their emotions are so overcharged with alcohol right now. We don't want anything you want. You're not, you're not hearing anything right right now. And then he says this, and, and as a conjunction, there's something else that will overcharge your emotions, weigh you down, and cares of this life. Whoa. We're talking about the cares that you're supposed to cast, the cares that you're supposed to resist and not let stay. And he's saying here, be, notice the way he said, take heed lest at any time. So in other words, he's saying, be on your guard, which it goes on and says there in 1 Peter, we'll see that in a minute, be on your guard because the adversary is trying to do this to you. But notice he said that the cares of this life will weigh you down just like alcohol will make somebody giddy or alcohol will make somebody drunk. And you know what the Lord said to me? I mean, it was like, this was right when he was teaching me all this stuff. And of course, you know, I, I didn't have time to live it, walk it out yet. So he was stepping all over my toes and crunching on them a little bit. <laughs> but when he, when he brought me here, he said, when you allow worry and stress and cares to stay, this is what he told me. He said, Larry, you are no better off than a drunk. Look at that. He puts alcohol and cares in the same category. Wow. So don't you be accusing other people. You shouldn't be drinking that. You shouldn't be drinking that. You shouldn't be drinking that. And they're saying, yeah, but you're drinking that stress. You're drinking that worry. And you're drinking that depression. And you're drinking that hurt free. You're, bringing, you're, you're drinking all kinds of stuff, you drunk. <laughs> Amen. So you can see what he's saying? I'm not the one that wrote this, by the way, so don't get mad at me. Jesus is the one that wrote this. He said, take heed. Now, here's the good news about this verse. Always find the positive in any verse you look at when it's stepping on your toes. Notice he said, take heed, lest at any time you enter into this. It kind of shows me that at any time, which means all the time, I don't have to enter into this if I take heed. Give you another natural example. Let's say I invited you over to my house. And we'll pretend I do not have a big giant attack dog, but let's pretend I do. I have this little 15-pound shih tzu that would lick you to death or lick you to life or whatever. But anyway, so let's pretend that I have this Rottweiler, 150-pound Rottweiler that has served 12 different times over in Iraq and already killed 18 people. 
and now he's retired, and I got him as a pet. So he's over at my house as a pet. I love this dog, great dog. But I, I invite you over to dinner. Before you come to dinner, I say, take heed before you step into my gate, because I have an attack dog, a Rottweiler, that would love to have you for dinner. <laughs> now, doesn't me telling you to take heed indicate to you I love you? Doesn't me telling you to take heed to my Rottweiler indicate that I want to protect you? Doesn't it? I mean, if I didn't, I would just say, come on over for dinner. <laughs> right? I didn't care. I just wanted you to be dinner. Come on over. <laughs> but for Jesus to say, take heed lest at any time, this week, next week, next year, anytime, take heed so that you don't allow your emotions to be overcharged just like a drunk, just like alcohol with the cares of this life. So it kind of shows you the deceitfulness. Remember the Lord told me that depression is one of the most deceitful and dangerous forms of pride. Deceitful because people don't even realize when you're worried and when you're stressed about something, you're no better off than a drunk. You're deceived and you don't realize you're in pride. Deception. See? But then he said dangerous and then he showed me this verse. Look at the end of the verse. He said, and so that day come on you unawares. Whoa. Just like a person drunk on alcohol may not be aware of what's going on. All they're aware of what's what they're doing at the second and how they're feeling at the second, about ready to pass out. Guess what? He said, if you're full of cares, if you're drunk on cares, you're going to be in the same position. You're not going to know what's going on. And then that day, the day of the return of Jesus, is going to be unawares, which means you're not just not aware of that day, you're not aware of anything the Holy Ghost is saying. He can be trying to tell you how to do this and how to do that, what to invest in, what to do over here and where to go and how to be there and do all kinds of stuff. But you're, remember this, this uh, says you're overcharged. Remember what I told you the Greek means? It means weighed down. You're down in the dumps. You're so down, like the, like the alcohol person, you're so down with alcohol or stress or worry that God's up here talking to you the whole time and He's on a different wavelength. And you're not hearing because you're so depressed, you haven't cast that care on the Lord, so you're in pride, and so you're mis you've fallen from grace, Paul said. Or you frustrated the grace of uh, God, Paul said. So grace isn't imparted to you because it doesn't flow to somebody that's in pride. It takes faith to receive grace, and you can't be in pride and faith. Come on. So I've got to humble myself. I cannot worry. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be depressed. I'm not going to be stressed about that thing. I'm going to humble myself, Lord. I'll let you take care of it. That's casting your care. And then what does he do? He cares for you. That's what it says. What does he do? In other words, he releases his grace. Grace empowers you to be what you can't be on your own, have what you can't have on your own, do what you can't do on your own. But did you see here how dangerous it is if you are actually... I've heard people say this many times. You probably have too. Somebody will say... You know, 
My pastor says, the Lord said, and the Lord said, and the Lord said, and I hear sister so-and-so in my church say, God told me this, and the Lord showed me this, and somebody else in my church, yeah, God showed me this, and Jesus told me this, and, and all these people saying, the Lord's, and I've been praying and 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 praying, and God never tells me anything. What's my problem? I said, you're drunk. <laughs> no, no, I'm not drunk. Yeah, you're drunk on stress, and you're drunk on worry, and you're drunk on cares, you're drunk on depression, you're drunk, 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 and you're wondering why God's not talking. Well, actually, He is. You're just down in the dumps, and you need to humble yourself. Did you notice what it said? Let's go back over and look at, well, no, i got to show you something else. I'll just remind you. Remember what it said in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you. That word exalt is so cool. The Greek word does not mean come up and say, Oh man, you're awesome. You're wonderful. I'm so proud of you. Exalt, exalt, exalt. That's not what it means at all. Look up the word exalt and you'll find it means to elevate up above or to lift up out of. So what's tr God trying to elevate you up above or lift you up out of? Well, if your cares, you're weighed down, you're stretched, you're down the dumps, He's trying to get you out of the muck and mire of life. So He will, when you humble yourself, then His grace will lift you up above all that. And guess what? Now you're up here and all of a sudden, you're hearing from God again. Oh, God just told me this. The Lord just showed me this. Ah, I feel like God showed me this and God told me this. You're back on plane where you can hear the Spirit of God. You're not deceived, and that dangerous form of pride is not operating in you anymore. So deceptive, so dangerous, when Christians are not casting their cares because they just think it's a part of life. So go back. Well, no, again, before you go back, let me show you the one other place the Lord took me. Go to Mark chapter 4. Is this all right? Praise God. I may, I don't even know what time it is. I may keep you a little longer than normal, but I'll try and get done here pretty quick. Uh, but I know, I know one thing that I have taught this at some um, Bible schools, and I've taught this at a couple of churches, and then a, a, a couple, well, I don't ever know if I've done it at a healing school or not. But anyway, where I have taught it, when I've gone back there a year later or six months later or two years later, a year and a half later, I have had people come up to me over and over and over say, Brother Larry, I haven't had a down day since. And then they'll name the date that I was there and preach this message. I haven't had a stress-filled day. I haven't had a discouraged day. And that's because, and I said, I'll bet you had plenty of opportunity. And they said, yeah, but I passed them up. They found out how to pass them up. You humble yourself. You cast that. You say, hey, that feeling, the depression or stress, that's all it is is a feeling. But it's a powerless feeling. So you say, you know what? If I feel stressed, I'm not going to allow it to stay because it has no power to make me feel stressed. So forget it. My stress days are over. And you'll find yourself laughing. I was driving down the highway one time. This just happened a few years ago. Something major happened. I don't remember what it was now because I just, uh, I cast, I'm, I'm like water off a duck's back. I forgive and then I let it go, you know, let it go. Anyway, it was something major that could really get you stressed out and everything. And I'm driving down the highway. I'm in my four-wheel drive truck driving down the interstate about 65 mile an hour or so. This is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a few years back before we moved. And um, driving down, this thing's just trying to get on me, trying to weigh me down. And I just started laughing. Because I'm thinking, you have no power over to me to make me feel that way. Who do you think you are? And I just started. Now, I did not feel like laughing. 
I, feel like, I felt like crying. <laughs> so I had the feelings trying to overwhelm me, but I'm not going to yield to them. So you know what I did? I made myself, that's how, you, that's how faith is. Faith is an act. Faith acts, faith speaks. So I just made myself start laughing. If you'd have been in the truck with me, you would have thought, that is the most fake laugh I've ever heard. I'm serious, because you know what I started? I did this, ha, 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 ha. I mean, it wasn't from the gut. Ha, 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 devil, ha, 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 depression, ha, 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 discouragement. And I did that, probably, I guess it was about 30 seconds or so, and all of a sudden it went from ha, 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 And then it got all over me. I started laughing so loud. I had to pull the truck off the road because I couldn't see to drive. So I had to pull the truck off the road. I got to laughing so hard. I got so happy. I got out of the truck and did a Holy Ghost fire drill. You don't know what that is. People used to call it a Chinese fire drill. I don't give the Chinese glory for my fire drill. It's a Holy Ghost fire drill. So I got out. I ran around the truck a couple times, got back in. Ah, that was joy unspeakable. I couldn't speak it. I had to run it. So got back in my truck and took off. And all of a sudden, all I mean, it was all gone. Because I had acted on the word by humbling myself, refusing to allow that feeling to stay. I cast it. Grace empowered me. And all of a sudden, whoa, where did all that feeling go? Back to hell where it belonged. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Is this good stuff or what? I am preaching me happy, so I'm help I hope I'm helping you. Mark chapter 4, verse 18. And this is the parable of the four soils, often referred to as the parable of the sower, where Jesus sowed the word. But it's about four different types of soil where the word was sown and whether the word would produce or not, right? And so notice in verse 18, we're going to talk about the thorny ground. There's the wayside ground, stony ground, thorny ground, and, and good ground. But this is the, stony, or the thorny ground that he talks about here in verse 18 and 19. Now, these are the ones, who's, uh, ones sown among thorns, Talking about the Word of God being sown now. You guys are getting the Word of God sown about the way of peace. How you can, you don't ever have to have another down day the rest of your life. You may have down moments. I'm going to put that out there because if you have a down moment, don't let the guilt and shame, oh no, you know, I was, I was depressed for an hour. So what? Get over it. <laughs> do what you're supposed to do and instead. Like the Lord told me, he said, when you have the moment, I don't care if it's an hour or whatever. I, I mean, mine, mine are usually seconds or minutes at the most now. But if it went an hour, that can still be a moment. The Lord said this, when, this, when the moment comes, just don't build a monument. You can have moments of stress, moments of depression where you allowed it to stay for a few moments and there's, no, 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 you don't. You're not staying. Get out of here in Jesus' name. You have no power at all. And that, see, you're, you're acting on John 16, 33. Be bold and courageous because he already overcame that for you. So it gives you confidence, boldness, assurance. Bless, bless God, I'm not having that in my life. I'm not having that feeling. No, that feeling's already been defeated at the cross. So therefore, I'm empowered by God to live free from it. So he says, now these are the ones sown among thorns, the ones who hear the word and, verse 19, the cares of this world, number one. Number two, the deceitfulness of riches. And number three, the desires of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So we're talking about, for example, the word, the way of peace. You're learning to live in the way of peace today. So you're hearing this word. Now what's the devil going to try and do? He wants to get that word out of you. 
So now this particular ground, the, the wayside ground talks about stuff, the, the uh, stony ground talks about a couple of things that he tries to get the word from you. Now he's talking about another ground. If those two didn't work, he's going to try and get you to be thorny ground. And here in thorny ground, he uses three things. One of them is the cares of this world. One of them is being deceived about wealth and riches. And the other is uh, lusting after and desiring other things, wrong, wrong things, or desiring something you don't need to be desiring. So let's forget about deceitful riches and, des and desire for other things because we don't have time. Let's zero in on the cares because this word cares is the Greek word marimna. The same one that we're looking at in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares, casting all your marimna. So here he says, the cares of this world, what will they do? If they enter in, in other words, if you allow them to come in, you don't humble yourself, you don't cast them, you enter into pride, then they enter in and what do they do? Choke the word. Choke the word. Well, what does that mean? Well, it explains to you what it means. And it, the word, becomes, what's the next word? I can't hear you. Say it again. Say it again. One more time. Un, what? Fruitful. Un, peaceable. Un, Loveable, unjoyful. Are you getting fruit? Unfruit. Peace is a fruit. Joy is a fruit, not seasonal. You have it 24 7, 365. But God said, when you allow Marimna cares to stay, it will choke the word, and that's when it becomes Marizzo. Your life falls apart. You're wondering why you're not hearing from God. You're wondering why you, you just want to die and go to heaven. That's because the Word's not producing any fruit, even though you have the fruit in you. The Word's not working because of pride. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So simple. Been in there all of our lives, and we've all missed it. <laughs> I never heard this in Bible school. Never read it in a book. <laughs> never heard it preached. I'm sure there's probably plenty of people that have. I just didn't hear them. But man, this is such good truth. Now, let's take this, what Jesus has taught us about Marim, to go back to 1 Peter then, 1 Peter chapter 5, where he says, humble yourselves in verse 6, under God's hand, so he can pull you up out of the muck and mire and set you above it all. And you humble yourself, verse 7 says, by casting all your care, because he cares for you. That's why I told you earlier, God knows you were not designed to handle worry or stress. He cares for you. He knows, hey, I made that body. It cannot handle depression. It can't handle stress. It's going to go awry. It's going to start feeling and doing things and allow, open the door for sickness and disease that can't be diagnosed. So I care for you, so please cast that on me. But notice, God's not going to do it for you. God already did everything. He sent Jesus to bear it all for you. Now you have to use the faith. And listen, Romans 12, 3 even says, God gave you His faith to do it with. <laughs> Man, you, got, you have God's faith, you have His grace ready to be released when faith is activated, and you have salvation, salvation from sin, salvation from sickness, salvation from fear, depression, discouragement, salvation from everything. You've got the whole package available to you at your disposal at the drop of a faith act. <laughs> Say drop of a hat, but drop of a faith act. Hallelujah. So watch this. He said, casting all your care for, He cares for you, verse 8, I never put these verses. I never heard Brother Hagen or anybody else put these two verses together. 
Maybe they did and I missed it. But casting all your care, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Well, we just saw if he can choke the word, he is going to devour, right? And he's going to cause you to get down where you can't even hear from the God. You, from God, you don't even know that you're a child of the day. Because he said, that day will overcome you as a thief in the night. Well, you're not, a, you're not a child of darkness. You're a child of the day, so that day won't overcome you. But if you're weighed down with cares like a drunk with alcohol, you're not going to know. You're going to be deceived, and you're not going to know what the Lord's saying. And so he says, be sober, pay attention, be on your guard, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Doesn't say he is one. All he does is roar. Roar, roar, roar. Why? What's he trying to get you to do? Except the tribulation that has no power. So he keeps saying it, keeps saying it, keeps saying it. You're depressed, you're discouraged. Look what they said. Look what they did. Look what they did. They don't care. They don't love you. They're mean to you. Oh, man, that really hurts you, doesn't it? Wow, what your kids done. Man, we have had some things that our daughter's done to us that, you, that would curl your hair. You'd think, my God. But you know what? He's not, she's not going to steal my peace. Nobody, including, I've told my wife many times, Honey, you're not going to be able to do anything to steal me my pee. In fact, I wish Liz was here. She's so good, I'd have her get up and testify and, and share. But she's she's a pretty good teacher herself, so I, I probably shouldn't because she'd take over then. But anyway, she this is the way she says it. When she's teaching uh, about to ladies, doing ladies' meetings and stuff, she'll say, she said, you know, Larry got this revelation before we were married. And so he's never had a down day, stress-filled day since I've been married to him for over 40 years now. She said... But she said the early part of our marriage, it would make me so mad because she was raised in a family that if you got mad, you got mad. You fought like cats and dogs. And, and so, you know, she, you know, you spit on me, I'm spitting on you. I don't care if we're Christian. You know, I'm going to get the better end of this. I'm going to have the last say. And anyway, she's a, she was a fighter, right? So, so I would never fight. I would just speak peaceable back to her, and she couldn't get me stressed and depressed. She said, it used to make me so mad, I would intentionally do things to try and make him mad. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny. But, but see, I was realizing that the devil tries to roar through people, and sometimes it's unfortunately he uses, the devil uses us to say something wrong. I've been guilty of it to say things toward people that could hurt their feelings. I don't do it on purpose. I'm never trying to hurt anybody. But all of us have been guilty of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time and saying it with the wrong tone of voice or maybe a little laugh when we said it when we shouldn't have said the little laugh, whatever. Especially if you're married, you've had that happen. But he said, pay attention because it's the devil seeking to devour you. And what's he trying to do? Well, I just told you in the previous verse, the cares you're supposed to be casting. He's the author of the cares. And you saw that in Mark's gospel. He's the author of wayside ground. He's the author of um, stony ground. He's the author of um, thorny ground. The only one he can't partake of is when you're good ground. And when you humble yourself cast your care and act like what Jesus did at the cross is true, and you speak it all the time, you are good ground, my friend, and fruit is going to come forth 30, 60, and 100-fold. So look what he goes on to say here, and then I'm just going to show you a couple other things real quick, and we'll close. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary wants to devour you, so he's going to roar real loud, try and get you to yield to those cares. And then it says in verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him. 
And I love this Greek word steadfast because it means unmovable and unchangeable. Steadfast. Now the reason it uses this is because, you know, I say it this way, the devil's a booger. (laughs) He's a persistent booger. (laughs) So in other words, he comes against you. Let's say he comes against your marriage and you and your wife or you and your husband just stand against him and you decide, bless God, we're going to honor one another, love one another, I don't care what. And so he isn't able to bring division, divide, marizzo, you know, with the marimna. He couldn't do it. And so he left you for a season. But he's persistent, so he's going to come back. Well, okay, I couldn't get their marriage. Let me see if I can get him stressed and worried about that pain, that, oh, that pain that I attacked him with. Oh, oh no. And, and the devil then immediately puts the thought, oh, you know what? I've been told it is genetic, you know. It is part of my family tree. Bunch of nuts, no. Um, it is part of my family heritage, my genetics, my, my uh, genes. Oh, my. And, and then the devil tries to work on all those thoughts, getting you stressed and worried and, and see if he can get you that way. But all of a sudden you say, no, 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 wait a minute. No, when Jesus was on the cross, he bore my sickness and disease. I don't care what this is attacking me. First of all, it's not my sickness. Jesus bore mine. Secondly, I have dominion and authority over it. And thirdly, whatever, Matthew 6, 19, 16, 19, whatever I bind, God's going to back me up in heaven. So I bind this. You're not doing anything to me in Jesus' name. When you spoke, it is written. You yielded to God. You submitted yourself to God. You resisted the devil. And guess what the devil has to do? He's got to flee. Resist him steadfast. That means you were steadfast the first time, but when he comes back and attacks another area, don't move from your position of steadfast. Unmovable. Steadfast. Unchangeable. I'm not changing, devil. And so then another time he comes and tries to make you feel depressed, stressed, mad, upset about what your kids did or somebody else did to you. And all of a sudden you feel those feelings come over. Here the devil is again trying to make you feel a feeling that has no power over you trying to get you to yield to that feeling based on what somebody did. Remember, Jesus not only defeated the feeling, he, re- he defeated the cause and the reason. So you do not have to yield to that reason or cause. Somebody says, that's easy for you to say. No, it was actually easy for Jesus to say. <laughs> the only time it becomes easy for us to say is when we yoke to it. That's when Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, remember? For my burden is light, my yoke is... Hmm. If you look up that word yoke, it means in the Greek, it means to join to. You're joining yourself to. That's what you do when you humble yourself. That's what you do when you get out of pride and say, you know what, I refuse to feel this way. I will not. I, I reject it. Just, as, just like if you had a temptation to go out and murder somebody or steal or commit adultery or whatever sin. You don't have to yield to it just because you're tempted, just because the temptation comes. You don't have to yield to it. So we do not have to yield to any of these emotions, friends. Why? Why should I? It's part of the kingdom of darkness that's been defeated. It has no power over me. And when I yield to it, I'm entering into pride. Why should I do that? Pride's going to cause me to fall from grace. Grace isn't going to empower me. And then I'm on my own and I'm wondering, why did God do this to me? Why did God allow this to happen? And I'm a big crybaby instead of somebody that's supposed to be letting my light shine before people, letting them see my good works to glorify Him in heaven. 
People should see you're in my life and say, I want to emulate that. I want to live like that. I want to be just like her and just like him. I want that kind of life. I've had people tell me that, and I don't brag on me when they say that about me. I, I just say, well, let me show you how, because little country boy from Odessa, Florida did it, so you can do it. <laughs> Amen. Resist him. Resist him. Steadfast. And then he says this, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, all that is saying is you're not the only one that's gone through this. Many, many multitudes have already faced what you're facing. Because the devil loves to jump on our shoulders. I've been there many years ago. I'm sure you have too. The devil loves to jump on our shoulders and say, nobody knows how I feel. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody's had this happen. And, and the devil's just laughing when he's telling you that because you're believing it, yielding to it. And the Lord's saying, psst, psst, psst. read my word. Many people have already felt that way and gone through the same thing you're going through. Nothing new. Nothing new under the sun. Same old bag of tricks. Right, Pastor? Same old bag of tricks. So don't yield to it. Can I just show you two more scriptures real quick and then close? All right, let's go over to Isaiah 26. Then we'll go to Jeremiah after that and close. Isaiah 26. And if you get the book, which it looks like we ran out of. Did we run out of the book? We sure did. So Y'all must like to read. Oh, no, there's a couple more books. There's a couple more books, but we still have quite a few of the CD series if you have some type of CD player somewhere. Um, I, just, I just rented a new, brand new car recently with a CD player. I thought, now why are they putting a CD? Are they trying to tell us that maybe CDs aren't gone forever after all? Maybe they're going to last a little longer than they thought. I don't know, but that was interesting that I did that. But what I did, I went out just so that I'd have one. I went out and bought an external CD player that I could just plug into my new computer. And then that way, if I ever want to play CDs, I can. But um, I want you to see here in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 that God said this. He said, uh, "Thou." King James says, thou, that means you, talking to God, you, God. God, you will keep him, talking about you and me, you'll see that, God, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God, you will keep me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on you and I keep my mind stayed on you because I trust in you. How many of you were raised in a denominational church like me? Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You know, those two words really aren't New Testament words. They're Old Testament. You don't find them much in the New like you do the Old. But there's two synonymous terms in the New Testament that mean the same thing as trust and obey, and that's faith and doing, faith and action. Same thing as trust and obey. You've got to believe and then act on the word, trust and obey, for there is no other way not if you want to be happy in Jesus. Yes, sir, I will. So another thing that I've heard, because I teach, I've taught this all over the world, different places before, and I, I have just as many, sometimes a lot more ladies than you do men. And um, the devil loves to tell women that, well, you just don't know how I feel. You're a man. Jesus was a man. 
I wonder if he knew how you feel. I wonder if he was touched with the feelings of your infirmities because you're a female. I'm not belittling that at all, but the devil loves to use this when saying, yeah, well, that's easy for you as a dad when your children does that, but you don't understand as a mom how that makes me feel. I don't, but Jesus took care of it. Every single one of these verses, you cannot show me where it was written to just men. Male. By the way, there are only two genders. I don't probably have to say that, but just in case you're watching and you don't know that, there are only two genders. That's all God made. So anyway, male and female, that's what God made. And man tries to make anything else besides that. But... Um, Every word that we've looked at, from the cross, Isaiah, Genesis this morning, every single scripture we've gone to is for male and what? Female. It's for both. God knows this. And in fact, there will be no male and female, Jew and Gentile, Greek and everything else when we get to heaven, won't even be given in marriage. It's, that's, we're, it's just going to all be one. We're all going to be... Praise God, just like Jesus, we'll, we'll know 1 Corinthians, what is it, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 or 13, 14, uh, we'll know even as we are known. Boy, that's going to be fun, isn't it? Wow. But right now, we have to take ourselves, plaster ourselves to the Word and say, there it is right there. That's what Jesus did. He did that for me. I'm walking that out. I'm living that in my life. And if I will believe it, I can't do it in my own strength, so it's not a matter of me trying. The Bible never says, but be triers of the word, right? It says be doers, right? So don't try it, you do it. And here's the difference between a doer and a trier. A trier will try it and sometimes get some results, but after a little while, if it doesn't work out, he quits. That's, that's the stony ground that it's talked about. After affliction, after a while, he rises, then they finally fall away and give up. But a trier will try it and try it. And, I mean, a trier will try and try it, try it. If it works, then they'll try it some more. If it doesn't work, they quit. A doer will do it and do it and do it, even when it's not working, and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, even though it even doesn't feel like it's working, and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it until it works. Why? Because I've settled on truth here. I've got truth. This is truth. It can't change. So if I stay with that, then the facts and realities have to change. So it may be real. Everything we're facing is real. It's factual out there. All the stuff that goes on with our kids and the world and politics and everything else, it's real, it's factual, but it's not truth. I have truth. So I'm going to stay with truth. I'm going to walk in the love of God and love people no matter how unlovely they are. That's the cool thing about Matthew 5.44 because we're actually born of love. We're love beings. We don't just have God's love. We are love because you're born of God and He is love. You're a love being. And so you can do Matthew 5.44. They could not do under the Old Covenant. That's why in Matthew 5.43, Jesus said, You've heard that it hath been said, Love your neighbor as yourself. But I say, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. God says the reason you can do this is because you are a love being. Now you're like your father. They couldn't love, they could only love their neighbor as their self under the old covenant. They couldn't love their enemies. They couldn't bless those that, that curse them. They couldn't do good to them that hate them. See what I'm saying? But you and I can do that because we're created in love. We're in Christ. 
we have abilities in us far beyond what we've lived, man. We've lived far below our means in, in, the, in the spirit realm. So I challenge you today, take this, all right? Here in Isaiah 26, 3, he said, I got to keep my mind stayed on him. So how do you keep your mind stayed on him? You just keep listening to the word. You know, all I did on my three-hour drive up yesterday, and I'll drive when I drive back home in the morning, um, all I do is just listen to the word, listen to the word, listen to the word. Most of the time, when I'm in the gym, I'm listening to Andrew Walmack or, or maybe some of scripture CD or something, but I'm always listening to the word. And then when I'm not listening to it with a outward thing, then I'm listening to it out of my voice, out of my mouth. I'm speaking it. Even when I go out and play golf, I'll be speaking the word to myself. I'll be speaking. It is written, speak some word just to meditate on. It never helps my golf game, but at least at least it helps my inward man. <laughs> and, uh, and then I'm always thinking about the word throughout the day, all day long. First thing I do in the bed, when I get out of bed in the morning, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. It's a day you've made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in this day. And then I start reminding myself of the benefits of Psalm 103. And then I go through Psalm 27. I go to all these different verses and I try throughout the day to keep doing that. When I'm not doing that, I'm trying to listen to something when I'm driving or something else. I'm always keeping my mind stayed on Him. By doing that, then, He said, He will cause me to be in perfect peace. This word peace is the word shalom. And you guys have heard, I'm sure that, you know, sometimes people uh, define shalom as nothing missing, nothing broken. And that really is a good definition. It's not the Hebrew. It's not what the Hebrew says. You won't find that in Hebrew or Greek. But that's the essence of what the Hebrew says. Because the Hebrew says wholeness, perfectness, prosperity, peace. I mean, everything that it says about shalom is like nothing missing, nothing broken. And I add to that, nothing malfunctioning. <laughs> I mean... This is wholeness in spirit, soul, body, financially, every way, emotionally, every way. It's wholeness, perfect, perfectness. So the only question I had here before I take you, and we'll close at Jeremiah 17. The only question I had when the Lord brought me here, I said, okay, Lord, you said you'd keep me in perfect peace, that's shalom, if I keep my mind stayed on you because I trust you. Well, I do trust you, so I'm going to keep my mind stayed on you, and you will keep me in perfect peace. In other words, his grace is going to flow is what it's mount, one it amounts to. And so he said, I'll keep you in perfect peace. I said, one question, Lord. I said, um, shalom, the word shalom, and he, he taught me this years ago, the word shalom is perfect. I mean, I said, Lord, you can't get any more perfect than shalom, so why did you put the word perfect in front of shalom? <laughs> I said, Lord, you said perfect shalom. Why did you do that? He said, did you look up the word perfect? I said, no. He said, look it up. I looked it up, and guess what? It's the word shalom. <laughs> God said, perfect, perfect, I'm going to give you. In other words, I'm going to give you a double dose of perfection. One dose is enough, but you're going to be overwhelmed with my perfection. You're going to be overwhelmed with my peace. You're going to be so overjoyed and over happy and over peaceful and over lovable that people are going to want everything you have, man. It's like, it's like, you know, the old saying, the evangelist says, you know, if you'll, if, if, if you'll just burn, people will come to see where the fire is. <laughs> Burn for Jesus. Okay, let me close over in Jeremiah 17. I know it's got to be later than I was supposed to go here. Pastor, you did not tell me when to close, though. And you know what? That's, that's the bad thing about you pastors that love the Word. 
And I told Brother Hagin the same thing. The bad thing about Brother Hagin, of course, he told us this first. Brother Hagin told us this. He said, you know, he said, I just have never learned how to close. He said, so I just have to unhook from the boxcar and then hook back up the next service and pull it along further, you know. <laughs> and so I tell people, I said, Brother Hagin never taught us how to close. <laughs> he taught us how to start, but never how to, never how to stop. <laughs> so... So anyway, I'm going to close with Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17 says, blessed in verse 8, I'm sorry, verses 7 and 8. Let's start in verse 7. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. That's verse 7, right? Jeremiah 17, 7. And then verse 8, for he shall be planted, uh, for, for he shall be a tree planted by the waters. Is that verse 8 in your Bible? All right, he's going to be like, who's, who's the one that's going to be a, like a tree planted? The one that trusts in the Lord. Remember what we just read in Isaiah 26.3. If you trust in Him, then you're going to keep your mind stayed on Him. And when you do that, He will keep you in His perfect peace. Alright? So, when we trust in Him, then we're going to be, this, this eighth verse says, we're going to be like a tree planted by the waters. Hmm, I wonder if that's living waters. And that spreads out her roots by the river. Hmm, I wonder if that's the river of life. And you shall not see when heat comes, oh, when all of that tribulation comes to try and get you all hot under the collar, but your leaf shall be green. Ooh, your leaf going to be green. Sounds like you're going to be prospering, and you're not going to be careful in the year of drought. So when it looks like you don't have enough, or it looks like of recession or depression or Wall Street problems or, oh my God, our government's trying to take it to a one-world monetary system. Oh no, what am I going to... You will not be careful. What does that mean? You're going to be carefree. You're not going to be carrying a care. You're not going to be stressed. You're not going to be worried. You're not going to be depressed. You're going to not be careful in those years that are coming ahead before Jesus splits the clouds. Neither, now watch the end of this verse. Neither, now remember this is the person that trusts. You and me that have faith, and so we're resting. Faith is a rest, so we're resting in what Jesus did at the cross. And so he says, you will not cease from yielding, what's the last word? You'll not cease from yielding what? Fruit. You won't cease from yielding peace. You won't cease from yielding Joy won't cease from yielding love, won't cease from yielding temperance, self-control, right? I mean, whatever fruit you want to mention. And it all comes down, do I actually believe? Trust. Do I actually believe? Do I actually believe all these verses we looked at this morning and tonight? Do I? You know what? I am a believer. I'm supposed to believe. So if I believe Jesus bore my depression and my griefs and my sorrows and my stresses and worries and hurt feelings, if he actually bore that, he did it by his blood. That's how serious it is. So if I bear them now, I'm belittling the blood. I'm literally, even though I might not reason it because it's a very deceptive form of pride, I'm literally telling Jesus, Jesus, when I stress, when I get my feelings hurt about whatever I'm getting my feelings hurt over, I am literally telling Jesus, what you did, Jesus, is not enough for me. Wow.
I don't believe any of us here are going to do that. I believe the best in you. I believe the, your best years are ahead. I believe you're going to take everything you've heard, even if you have to get it and listen to it ten more times. I don't care. You're going to get it on the inside of you. The book, the CD series, if you go to our website, download the MP3, however you do it, just get full of God's Word in this area, and you watch. Change your life. And you know what's been happening? Now, this is cool, too, and I, I believe it'll probably happen here. I've had people coming up to me, and they said this. They said, Brother Larry, I had this going on, and they gave me a physical illness, a physical problem that they'd had for years, and they'd been to many different specialists, first of the general practitioner, then more specialists. They said, I went to all these different neurologists and you know, all these different people, and, and then I went to the famous preachers that had the big healing lines and I got in their healing lines. They prayed over me. I had four, five, six different well-known preachers pray over me for the healing. And I was still sick, but I sat in your service and I learned how to cast my care and I started walking in the peace and joy of God. And within a few weeks, the symptoms that I had had for years disappeared. Isn't that amazing? Not because Larry's great, because his word's great because they just found out a missing part of the gospel that they needed to hear. Wow. God, you're so good. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good with every breath that I am able. I will sing of the goodness of God. Boy, isn't he good? Whew, well, that's one of my favorite songs. In fact, when Chris did that this morning, she did it because last night at dinner she said, you want me to sing anything tomorrow? And I said, yeah, the goodness of God. Goodness of God. He's so good. Wow. Even when it doesn't look like it's working, he's still good. Like Pastor Chip said this morning. Yes, he's still faithful. You know what? It doesn't feel like it, look like it, sound like it. He's still faithful. He's faithful even when we're not. He's faithful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, lift your hands up and thank Him. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. Thank you for the way of peace that all of us are going to walk in and live in because in you we live, in you we move, in you we have our being. So since we're in you and you are our peace, then we're going to walk in the way. You are the way, <laughs> the truth and the life. So we're going to walk in the way of peace the rest of our lives on earth. We'll go right through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because you're with us. Thank you, Lord. We'll walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Glory. So... Um, you know, most of the time, and I'm not feeling any unction to lay hands on people. Most of the time when the Lord has me teach on this, He doesn't have me lay hands on people because if you'll just do the Word, healing will be the result because that's part of Shalom. So if you want me to lay hands on you, then you, after Pastor dismisses, let me know. I'll pray for you. But I'm telling you, if you take the words you've heard, and act on them, your life is different. The next 12 months are going to be the best 12 months of your life. In fact, let's, let's exercise our faith right now. Say this out of your mouth where your own ears can hear it. The next 12 months are going to be the best 12 months of my life. The next 12 months are going to be the best 12 months of my life. 
Come on, say it again. The next 12 months are going to be the best 12 months of my life. Now let's say it together. The next 12 months are going to be the best 12 months of my life. All right, before Pastor comes, let me mention this, because this was a testimony that uh, there's a CD back there. I don't know if any of you got it last time called Power Up. Did anybody get our Power Up CD last time I was here? You did? Is that a good one? Well, I had a couple come up to me that got it seven years ago. And this is about 10 now, but seven years, three years ago, they came up and they said, hey, we got a hold of your Power Up recording because you it's not just CD. You can download MP3 or whatever. But anyway, they got the CD. They said, we decided we were going to go to bed. And that, this is what they said. We, we decided together as a husband and wife, let's go to bed every night for the rest of our lives on earth listening to this Power Up uh, recording. And that's because the Power Up uh, recording is nothing but victory scriptures. And so um, they just wanted to listen to living as an overcomer, being an overcomer, living in victory, and being more bold with the Lord and stuff. So they thought, let's do this. And so the very first night, this, this was their testimony to me, they said, we went to bed, we started listening to Power Up, and it's just scripture after scripture about you being more than a conqueror, an overcomer, strong in the Lord, you can do anything in the power of His might, just one thing after another. They said after about 30 minutes of listening to it, instead of going to sleep, they found themselves jumping out of bed, dancing and shouting. <laughs> and so they came up and they said, Brother Larry, you've got to tell people they cannot go to bed with power up. And I did, I'd never heard anybody say this, so I asked them, I said, what do you mean you can't go to bed listening to that? They, we, they, we tried it, we tried it, we could not go to sleep. Tell people, tell people it's a getter up in the morning recording. <laughs> They said, because now for seven years, we've not missed a day, for seven years we have woken up, so they set their alarm clock with this CD player, they said, we've woken up, the very first things our ears hear is victorious living scriptures. They, and this is how they put it, they said, we set the precedent of every day to walk as an overcomer, more than a conqueror, and victorious in Jesus. And they said, and Brother Larry, let me tell you, this is what they said, because this is after doing it for seven years when I saw them again, um, they said, we have not had a down day in seven years. Uh, wow, they, they didn't even get a hold of my peace teaching like I did this morning and tonight, and yet they got power up and got so full of victory and more than a conqueror and overcomer that that's all they could think is, okay, well, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm going to conquer. I'm going to overcome. I'm, I've got the victory already. I can do all things through Christ because it's His strength. And so that's all they thought. And it caused their mind to stay on Jesus, and then Jesus kept them in perfect peace. See how it works? So I wanted to mention that Power Up CD because it's back there. And then I wanted to mention the PCD, and the reason I wanted to mention it is because all it is, that one's the health food that you heard over the sound system is, um, is um, on health scriptures, the power up, I guess we could, no, let's don't play it. He, I was going to have him show you, but I mean, that's all it is, is victorious living scriptures. The peace scriptures is just a whole hour, about an hour and 20 minutes of me quoting scripture, shalom scriptures, peace scriptures, I mean, tran tranquility scriptures, just where it's just so peaceful. I mean, we have, we have doctor's offices that play this, dentist offices, we have daycare centers that play this. People use it because it's just so peaceful, but some of my favorite testimonies, we've had two of my favorites, are we've had people that have been on met, clinical medications and going to treatments for depression that have gotten a hold of this 
started listening to it, and now they're off their medication and they don't get treatments anymore. They're not depressed anymore. And then we've had people with sleep disorders totally set free with sleep disorders. One of the couple of them were actually on machines to help sleep. Others were on medications and stuff. And now they're off of them completely because they started listening to peace scriptures. And you can go to bed at night listening to that one. So the power up is a getter upper. This is a go to better. <laughs> so anyway, those are back there. And again, remember the offer pastor made. Anything you want back there is going to be free to you. We're just going to make a list. Anything you buy, make sure it gets written down. And that way we'll have a, a list of it. Um, and you'll get blessed, and, and then after you listen to it, like Pastor said, you can't give it away until you listen to it or read it. <laughs> then you can sow it into somebody else's life if you want to, but praise God. So you, did you all enjoy today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I so enjoyed today. Thank you, Pastor Jim. Thank Pastor Chris for me. I so enjoyed this time together because it just felt like everybody was pulling. You were sucking me dry. <laughs> just felt like people were just drawing and getting a hold of it, and so thank you for that. Pray for us, and if anybody has it on heart, you know, the Lord told me years ago to uh, give people a chance to become partners, but no pressure at all, I, so I never pressure anybody. You you know, you can be partners with Randall Greer and your church, otherwise you don't have to partner with us, but if you feel a, any tug in your heart where God says, you know, I feel like I want to help that ministry monthly, I want to hook up as a partner and, and get rewards laid up in heaven for what we're doing in our ministry, then I'd love you to be a partner. I have partner cards in case you need one, but Again, no pressure. You just do it if you want to. So praise God. Pastor, come on up here. I sure love you guys. Can't wait till we're work together again. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, is the Lord good? You know, a lot of times I'm reading the Word, especially in areas uh, like this. You know, I'll read, I'll read the word and I'll ask the Lord a question. And it's not a question of doubt, but I'll ask, I said, is this real? Is this true? Uh, you know, because, uh, you know, a lot of times your flesh will react real quickly. Uh, nobody can live that way. That's not really true. That doesn't really work. And, and you'll just, you'll discard, uh, discount a word spoken like this. And it's already gone uh, before it has a chance to, to, uh, uh, to germinate. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, it's good sometimes. Lord, is this is this so? Is this? Can you really live this way? Can you really live in perfect peace all the days of your life? Of course, we know the answer to that. It's a it's a resounding yes, and and, um, and we should. Amen. Uh, you know, I, w I was thinking about uh, when when Brother Larry was talking about uh, in the early days of his marriage. You know, that that Liz didn't quite hook up as well as uh, he had. You know, in, in the scripture, but um, and I have experienced the same thing where people around me are stressful and I'm not under any stress at all and, and they'll get agitated at you. And then I get to thinking, well, you know, who is under the most stress right now in the entire world? The devil, you think about the stress the devil is under right now. Someday the other shoe's going to drop. He doesn't know when. I mean, even Jesus doesn't know, but he knows it's going to happen. How much stress is he under every day? And if you'll be in peace, just, just think about how mad you're going to make him every day when, when he tries to bring stress in you and you just laugh and laugh at him, that's just going to double up the stress that he's under. Amen. So, you know, just spend a day or two and get the devil mad and, and uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your day. Amen. Uh, and uh, we have the right and privilege to live in, in peace all the days of our life. Amen. Uh, and, um, you know, and I like what, uh, what the brother Larry was talking about at the end about the value of the word of God. You know, the, the, uh, I always encourage you, if, if you're under any kind of uh, medical treatment, any kind of uh, doctor's prescriptions or, or uh, 
medical treatments like sleeping treatments. Uh, you know, don't change anything, but add the medicine of the word. Uh, and what you'll find uh, very often is without doing anything else, the need for the, for the natural medication just dissolves. Uh, and you stay in the medication of the word and, and you live in divine health. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of times uh, we've been bad in the, in the charismatic world of, you know, you're in sin. If you're doing anything, get rid of all your stuff. Uh, and then, of course, uh, if you're not at, at where you need to be by faith, when you do that, you may you may expire earlier than you should have. Amen. So don't change anything. Just uh, add to the, add the word to your life and be as diligent about the word as you are about your medication. You know, some people are so diligent. They got alarms. They've got machines. They got all kinds of things that make sure that, you know, at 1201, a little pill pops out of a machine and they just eat it. They don't even think about it. It's like a dog, like a dog treat. You know, they just eat it. Uh, and so diligent. Uh, and then you say, well, just read this one verse every day. Well, you know, I, I did once. You'll you take a pill that a doctor's just 50-50 if it's going to work anyway, you know, uh, and, and uh, so diligent. But then, you know, the, the word of God, you know, he says it's medicine. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know. It's a lot of work, you know, read the Bible. I mean, uh, so let's be diligent, amen. And we, we have a right to live in divine health, free from sickness and disease and aches and pains and free from uh, medical treatments, amen. And we're thankful for the medical industry because they keep us alive long enough to get into faith. Uh, and so we're not, we're not opposed to medicine at all, amen. Uh, but uh, we want to live long in this. We got work to do, amen. The world needs to get saved. Uh, and so we don't want to leave the world. Uh, I mean, at some point we're going to leave this world, but uh, we want to give them all, every shot they have to get to heaven. Uh, and so praise God, we're going to get ready to receive an offering this afternoon. And so everything we receive today will go into the ministry of, of uh, uh, Reverend Larry Hutton from, uh, it's actually, it's not technically uh, Atlanta, right? What's the actual city? Locust Grove, right? And so, um, which is, right next to Atlanta, right? But, uh, um, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the locust grove, right? I mean, I guess after, I guess there was a grove and then locusts came and then maybe there's no more grove. I don't know, but uh, um, oh, praise God. We're, we're thankful for the ministry of uh, Larry Hutton and what he's imparted into our lives, amen? Uh, and uh, like we said, all the materials back there are available for you at no cost. Uh, and um, uh, don't just take them if you're just going to, you know, I mean, some people, they're like kleptomaniacs. They just have to take it, right? But don't take it unless you're planning on actually using it, amen? Reading it, studying it, and meditating on it. Uh, and then um, uh, then if you want to sow it in somebody else's life, that'd be great. Uh, and so um, uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give today. So, Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to give. We thank you that it's a blessing and honor, honor to give into your kingdom. Father, it's a small thing for us to take of the blessings that you've given to us and sow it into your kingdom. And so, Father, we do it diligently we do it freely of our own our own uh, desires father to bless you and increase uh, the ministry of uh, larry hutton we thank you father that uh, as we sow into his ministry that he has all the funds that he needs to complete the plan and will of god for his life father that he's able to go where he needs to go and do what he needs to do from a financial perspective and so father we thank you that as we sow uh, that we have the opportunity to, to reap part of the fruit that he bears in his ministry father and so we thank you for that, that your kingdom is increased. Father, that people's lives are changed and minds are renewed and bodies are healed. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And um, um, don't forget 
uh, Friday night uh, prayer service, right? Of course, Wednesday we have our uh, regular midweek service at 7 p.m. And then um, Saturday, uh, 9.30 here uh, to get ready for uh, the Strawberry Festival. And then next uh, Sunday uh, is Mother's Day. And um, we'll have our church meal then. And I'm sure there's a sign-up sheet back there uh, to make, uh, I don't even know, is there a theme this week? I don't know. I haven't asked Chris, so she's not here, so. Um, but uh, I know it's food, right? So, um, but I'm sure there's a sign-up sheet back there. That way, everybody doesn't bring green beans. Amen. Uh, or we're in Tennessee, so make sure everybody doesn't bring turnip greens. Because personally, I'd be really sad if all we had to eat was turnip greens, right? So, uh, but um, anyway, praise God. I think most of y'all is everybody here like turnip greens. Anybody not like turnip greens? Uh, yeah, me and Jared are the only two sane people in the whole. The whole uh, you don't like them? All right, way to go, Freddie. <laughs> There's a story. I used to like them, huh? Uh, okay, well, there you go. Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's a story for another day, right? Well, praise God. So that'll be this, this week. So um, have a wonderful week, and the Lord be blessed, and you're dismissed.